Welcome to the Well Community Jokes. Every day. Twice a week? Yes, a lot. <laughs> no, I don't. I used to, but not so much now though, because I, I kind of like, I have a lot of what I want now. Honestly? Well, not really, to be honest with you. Not really. I don't really pray. I sort of just meditate on things. In my own way, yeah. Well, I guess only if I'm really, really scared or that I really, really want something, then I'll pray. <laughs> for help and to talk with God. Hope for things. I wouldn't say I pray to anything specifically. I pray every day. I pray, I pray even when like things going good or like things going bad. I still pray even though I question a lot of it and doubt a lot of it, but I still find myself praying kind of often. But prayer is becoming increasingly fashionable in our society. It, uh, there was a recent poll, and it found that 80% of Britons still believe that prayer can be answered in spite of a dramatic drop in church attendance. So only one in seven people insist they would never resort to prayer in the face of problems in their lives. One in seven. And interestingly, teenagers and people in their 20s are more likely to pray than their parents' generation. So most people in our culture, they, they have this general idea or a formula of how to pray or what it looks like. And perhaps something it's like, it's probably something like ones we've grown up with, where you're taught to pray for a good day, pray over your meals, pray for, before bedtime, make me a good boy, amen. And the other prayer that we know is the desperate prayer. Like the kid in school who was overheard, he's leaving an exam and he says, oh God, please make two plus five equal 25. And that's kind of the prayers we resort to. But I find it interesting that many people, Christian or not, often cry out to God in prayer, especially when we're desperate. But I also find it amazing that oftentimes God comes through and he answers those prayers. But oftentimes... Time has gone on, we've either forgotten what we've prayed for, or we consider it a coincidence, or we just consider it that our hard work has finally paid off. Over the years, as I've continued to fall deeper and deeper in love with Jesus myself, prayer has become a major priority in my life. And I wish I could say it was number one, but I'll admit that I struggle. It's, it's something that seems like a waste of time sometimes, when the to-do list is forever, and it's like, I'm going to stop and pray? So I'm not an expert in prayer. I still find prayer really difficult, and I find that even when I start to pray, my mind wanders off to my to-do list, and it goes all over the place, the distracting thoughts, and often, I think I haven't got the time to do it. So I'm not at all good at it, but I do love praying. And why is that? Well, there's the handouts on your sheets that I'll be following along. And talking point number one is, what is Christian prayer? And it's the most important activity of our lives. It's the very purpose for which we are actually made, to have a, a loving relationship with God. And all loving relationships thrive on good communication. The more we communicate, the more we grow in love, and the more our love flourishes. And it's the same in our relationship with God. 
Ephesians 2, 8, the Apostle Paul put it like this. He said, through Jesus, we both, that's, he's referring to Jews and Gentiles, which is kind of the, the whole known world. Through Jesus, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. So Christian prayer is to God as our Father. A couple of weeks ago, in the video, we looked at a sculpture by Charlie Mackesy. This is a sculpture of the prodigal son. And this is such a great picture of what God is like. A loving father. Many people who don't really know God and kind of just know him at a distance or perhaps, or perhaps don't even believe in a God, if they were to think of one, they kind of des- describe it as dictatorial, judgmental, almost like a kind of cosmic police officer that's out to get people. But I don't believe in a God like that. This is a, the kind of God I believe in, the God that Jesus described as a loving Heavenly Father. For those of you who are parents, it's not hard to remember the times where your kids are up all night long. In fact, Amanda and I just had that last night with Kinsley. She's not here tonight because she was up sick all night long. They're, they're awake every two hours and they need their diapers changed. And sometimes, especially with boys, you don't get the timing just right. And when you finally open it, you realize they hadn't fully released their bladder and kind of goes everywhere. And but you still adore them. You still love them. If our friends treated us like that, not a chance. But somehow, because it's your child, you look past all that, and you just love them. And God in the Bible is described as both like a father and a mother. He just loves us, not just as a baby, but growing up. And I was actually going to show a video clip of someone else's story from the whole Alpha series of their experience of understanding God through their parents. But I was actually convicted to share my own. And this is a bit of a different experience because it's not actually one that I learned through my parents. It's one that I learned through someone else. It's one that I learned through the father of a girl I was dating who also happened to be my pastor. So I'd been dating the pastor's daughter of this church I had grown up in, and right from the beginning, it wasn't a healthy relationship. We both knew it wasn't right, but we just kept going on. And I wasn't doing well. And when I say that, it's not just that I wasn't happy in the relationship, it's that this spiritual battle actually began taking place to the point that that I couldn't eat, I could barely drink, and and within about one week, I I lost 10 to 15 pounds because of this battle that was going on, and part of it was due to the unhealthy relationship that I had been in and that had been going on for this long that I then became addicted to pornography, and I couldn't get enough of going to the computer before school and after school, And, and one day, I still remember driving down Centennial Parkway, and I was just mad at God. I was mad at the world. I was mad at myself, and I'm just kind of screaming out in the car. And I don't know what made me do this other than, than God, 
and the Holy Spirit, but I turned the car around, and I drove to this church that I had been attending, and I marched in to the pastor's office, and I just began screaming at him, up and down. Why would God allow this? Why would God do this? Why would God do that? And he got up from his desk, and he asked me to sit down with him, and he just began began asking me questions, how I was doing, where this was coming from. And I then started laying it all out on the table that, that I had this pornography addiction, that I, I had all these struggles, and then it came out about the unhealthy relationship with his daughter. And at that point, he stands up, and I'm expected to be pinned against the wall or punched in the face. And he opens his arms and he says, Kev, I forgive you. God forgives you. And as I'm embracing this man and sobbing on his shoulder, I still remember him saying, I see, just like David in the Bible, this guy who made so many mistakes, but had a, had a heart, was a man after God's own heart. He said, I see God at work in your heart. That was my first true experience with grace, with forgiveness, with this unconditional love. And it didn't mean that everything was easy and we got off scot-free after that. We had some really awkward conversations with all of our parents. And, but I truly encountered the love and grace of God that day. And this is God's love for you. Jesus said he's our father in heaven. He's the creator of this entire universe. You know, our sun is one of 300 billion stars in our galaxy. Our galaxy is one of 100 billion galaxies. And yet, in this throwaway line in the book of Genesis, the writer says, he made the stars also. Just like that, boom. The entire cosmos was created. And in a way, the power of prayer depends on our grasp of who it is to whom we're praying. So it's to the Father through the Son. And I have a quick clip to illustrate this. Okay, so I don't. I'll describe this clip for you. <laughs> Sorry, Trev. Uh, the, the clip is this man who lost his dad and his brother out on the battlefield. And he was the only one left to, to come home and take care of his, his wife and sisters and family. And, and he decided that he needed to come home and talk to the president and ask to be released in order to, to take care of his family. And he got to the White House and he marches up to the front door where he's turned away. And they say, you can't go in and talk to the president. Get back out there. And he goes and sits down on a park bench. And this little boy comes up to him and starts asking him why he's so sad. And this guy begins opening up, and the boy says, come with me. And they run through the back of the White House. They run past all the guards and officials and the whole thing, goes into the office, doesn't even knock on the door, right into the president. And it was actually Abraham Lincoln who was the father of this boy. And he said, Dad, this guy needs to talk to you about something. And that's the relationship, that's the access that we have to God the Father through Jesus. That he's saying, you know what, Dad? 
this guy needs to talk to you. This girl needs to talk to you. So I hope I did the clip justice. But our father, he's inviting us to share in the relationship that, that he has with his father. So not only do we pray to the father through Jesus, but we also pray by the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.26, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. Sometimes people say, I just wouldn't know where to begin. But when you invite Jesus into your life, he comes in by his Spirit. He lives within you. And when you pray, his Spirit helps you to pray. He helps you communicate to God. And man, I'm excited because we're going to be looking, we're taking a few sessions to look at the Holy Spirit coming up at the end of the month. And I'm excited to wrestle through some of those things, but to also better understand this access that we have to our Heavenly Father. So talk point two, why pray? Why pray? Well, as we mentioned earlier, it's because all relationships are based on communication, Often marriages will break down due to a lack of communication. But with good communication, they can grow and they can flourish. Jesus says this in Matthew 6, 6. When you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So what are the rewards of prayer? Well, first of all, it's the presence of God. There's this Benedictine monk by the name of Brother Luigi. He was the abbot of a monastery, and now he teaches at the Pontifical University in Rome. He's a holy, godly, and prayerful man, and Nicky Gumbel refers to him as, as one of the most powerful or prayerful people he's ever met in his entire life. So Nicky asked him one day, and he says, Luigi, how do you begin your prayers and what he said actually might surprise you because he said, I start with a time of complaining. Sorry, what did you say? He said, I complain. And he said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, I say to God, God, this is a complete waste of time. I've got so much to do. Why do I need to pray? But then he starts to meditate on a verse. Something like, I love you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And as he starts to do that, all the kind of knots that were inside him begin to untie. And he finds his heart burning within him. And then he just loses track of time because he enters into the presence of God. The presence of God. It satisfies that spiritual hunger that we all have. It quenches our spiritual thirst. It refreshes our soul. Prayer, it's like the soul breathing. So one reward is the presence of God. But then secondly, we have the peace of God. And I don't know about you, but I believe most of us struggle with fear, anxieties, and worry. And I know that it's probably a spectrum where some people struggle more than others, just naturally. But I believe we all have this in common. And for some of us, if you don't have anything to worry about, you actually begin to worry about not worrying. You're like, I must be missing something. It's, it's too easy right now. And I've actually heard of one mother who texted her grown-up daughter this message. She said, start worrying, dash, details to follow. <laughs> I can be like that. It, 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 
I can be very tempted to worry. I don't know why I've admitted this before. Sometimes when it's that whole we need to talk conversation, my mind goes to the worst. Chris just did that to me a couple weeks ago. He texted me, hey, we should, we should talk about something. Ah, what? <laughs> Someone said that worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. And the Apostle Paul says this, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, that's asking for things, with thanksgiving, let your requests be, be known, blah, blah, blah. let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, that amazing peace, the peace of God that transcends all understanding will keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, it's not about being in a place where there's no trouble or problems or hard work. It's about being in the middle of those things and still having a peace in your heart. It's kind of like the deep ocean current when there's the strong winds and the waves battering the surface, but there's the stillness underneath. And then third, perspective. One of the things I find is that when you start to thank God, when you start to just say, oh, Lord, thank you for that. Thank you that I'm alive. Thank you that there's sunshine. Thank you for the blessings. Thank you for my family. It begins changing your perspective. And you suddenly realize, wow, there's so much to thank God for. And it puts your problems, your worries into perspective. And then there's the power of prayer. Because prayer not only changes us, but it also changes our situations. Now, this one, I hope I have a video for. Is there, oh, phew. <laughs> well, it was an ordinary day. We went into the mine. And I didn't have any rush job to do that day. So I took the equipment to the workshop, did my job, and then went to the shelter. When the explosion happened over our heads near 2 p.m., it got us trapped for four hours, all covered in soil and dust. Then we discussed how to get out of there, any way to escape. And we realized there was no way out. And the only possibility was God. It was Christ. So we needed to pray. So we had a meeting and distributed tasks which included counting the food we had left. We literally did not have food for more than two to three days, eating normal portions. From all those tasks, they told me, we know you are a Christian, so we want you to guide us in our prayers. So the first prayer was something like, Lord, we are not the best men. Lord, have mercy on us. Look after the young. Look after our families. We presented our whole situation to God. And we said, we cannot do anything here. All we have left is you. Because we have no one else to call out to. Because we know you are the one who hears our prayers. We started having a prayer at noon every day. And this started to produce changes in people, in their attitude, in their friendship, the unity. God's Spirit was in there with us. I haven't seen anyone more humbled before God than the 33. We skipped meals for 24 hours, for 48 hours, 72 hours was the most we could last. We had to do this for the food to last. The portions were very small but very important for us. 
So we lasted until the 16th day. The food was running out. On the 17th day, the Lord allowed us to be found. We started to realize that there were machines moving and that they were trying to find us in different places. But after 17 days of praying, a miracle. A probe had found its human target. And then a simple note, proof they were all alive. Kisses to everyone. We'll be seeing you shortly. Say hello to the president. Say hello to my missus. We were praying every day, asking God to guide them and help them find us. 65 days after the collapse, and after 33 days of drilling, Igor's plan B reaches the miners. I also have to mention that 22 of them accepted Christ, and that's something quite important in my opinion. When we were about to leave, I had to call them to pray. No one leaves here until we say thanks to the Lord. The last miner has lifted to the surface. This is the moment. This rescue has come to an end. An explosion of celebration and joy after more than two months trapped more than 2,000 feet underground. All 33 have been rescued. Man, I love that part that he calls them back and says, no one leaves until we give thanks. Because that's kind of like what I was talking about at the beginning is, is our circumstances change or they improve and then we suddenly forget who God is and how he's been working in this situation. So you can't prove the existence of God merely by answers to prayer. But what I found is that stuff happens when we pray. William Temple, the Archbishop of Canterbury said, when I pray, coincidences happen. When I don't, they don't. And I'm not great at this, but over the years, I've actually tried keeping a prayer journal. In fact, I, I currently use my, uh, my electronic Bible study software and it has a prayer log in there. And I'll, I'll just write down, if I say I'm praying for you, chances are you're in this prayer log where I've, it just reminds me every time I log in there to pray and I can check it off and I can even put in a spot with answered prayers. It's an amazing thing because you can actually see things happening, things taking place. Sometimes you, you pray about it months ago and when you hear the answer, you're like, oh, that's cool. But you forget that, no, this is something we've been praying for. You could put it all down to coincidence, but when we pray, things happen. The one example from my phone when I looked at it as I was thinking about this is, is my neighbor, a couple years back, they were about to have their first child, and he was commuting between three and four hours a day. And he, he was just saying, he's like, man, I really need to find a job in my field that's closer to home. And I said, you know what? I'm going to pray for you for that. And he said, sounds good. So... I think a couple months went by, at least a month, and I ended up seeing him outside again, and I said, hey, 
how did the job search go? Have you found anything? And he said, oh, I should have told you that I actually got hired in my field of work in Hamilton. He's like, it's a 15-minute commute now, and I can be home with my wife and my kids at the end of the day. And his, his first son was born about a month after that. And it was so cool to actually be able to say, I've been praying for that. And here he now has a job. And again, is it a coincidence or is it God? So does God always answer prayer? This is where it gets difficult because sometimes people want to say, yeah, that was absolutely God. And other people want to say, nope, that was coincidence. Don't mix the two. But the question is, does God always answer prayer? And in a sense, yes, he hears our prayers. But like a good parent, he doesn't always just say yes, because a loving parent won't say yes to all of the child's requests. They can come up with some crazy things, but it's a bit like a traffic light. You have your red, your yellow, and your green. Green is the yes, go. Red is the no, stop. And amber is more like your wait. And sometimes we all like to see the green. We want it to be the go, 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 and God's answers prayers, which are obvious. But then there sometimes are just prayers that you've been praying for for year after year after year, and they're just going nowhere, so it seems. In fact, Amanda and I both have a friend that we've literally been praying for over a decade, and we're still praying for this request, and we haven't it feels like we haven't received an answer, or at least the one we've been expecting. But I can think of a couple occasions in my life where I've really desperately wanted something, and I've prayed for it over and over again. And one was to do with a relationship, and another was regarding a job that I really wanted. So I really, really prayed, and neither of them happened. Now I look back, and I'm actually glad they didn't happen, because the first one wouldn't allow me to be with my wife Amanda now. The second one, I wouldn't be doing the job here that I love so much. Now, you might wish that God had answered those prayers, but <laughs> I'm not going to take it personally. But I'm just glad that I'm doing what I'm doing because I love this. And I'm glad that God didn't answer the prayers in the way that I wanted him to at that time. Sometimes, though, I think we just won't know in this lifetime why God hasn't answered our prayers. So hopefully here's another clip of Nikki sharing a personal story from his past. I think of an occasion some years ago when I was playing squash with my, one of my very best friends, Mick Hawkins. He just played a beautiful backhand drive and as he turned to play the forehand, he just dropped dead of a heart attack. And I have never cried out to God more than I did in that moment. He had six children, the youngest was six, and the oldest was 18. And we had to tell each of these children it was the most painful thing, and it, it still is today, the most painful thing for me. At five o'clock the following morning, I went out for a walk because obviously I couldn't sleep, and I was praying, I crying out to God, saying, God, I don't understand why this has happened but I'm not going to stop trusting in you. I'm not going to give up praying. Corrie ten Boom said, 
When a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away the ticket and jump off. You sit still and trust the driver. So there's yes, there's no, and there's wait. So for example, Landon likes to ask me occasionally to drive the car. That is one that I say no, but it doesn't mean no forever. It just means he's only four. So take heart with this. Just because something isn't happening for you right now, it doesn't mean that it won't happen. God's timing is perfect. So the fourth point is how do we pray? And another clip. I pray anytime, anywhere. I don't bow down on my knees and pray, but I do hope for stuff, and I think that's the same as praying. I pray when I want to talk to him, um, when I feel like I need guidance. Every journal entry I write is titled like Dear God, which is kind of weird. Oh, really? But it is. And this is the book of prayers that I always have it on me. I'm giving thanks, mostly. When you pray with your family at meals, it's like, I don't know. I think I would prefer for it to be silent, a little quiet. It's like talking to anybody. You just, but you're talking to God. Be praying in my head, or sometimes just saying it out loud. I just sort of put the thoughts out there, put that idea out there, and then I go about my business hoping that things will just come together. I just chat to him like I'm chatting to you right now. So how do we pray? Well, like all relationships, there's no rules. Like my relationship with Amanda, it's not like this is how we have our conversation. We have to keep it within these parameters. We, ha we have all sorts of conversations. And some are short. Some might be a little more structured. And but there's usually very little of this agenda. We're just free to talk to God in any way that we want. And over the years, I know I've, I've had many different patterns of praying. Sometimes I've used the Lord's Prayer as a sort of structure, or you might have heard the acronym ACTS, which is Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. But probably the most common for me has just been this basic conversation while I'm driving. When I just have the music off, can just sit in silence and be alone and just talk to God. But what's common in all of these ways that I've tried praying, that I've, I, I have prayed, is that it's kind of like how we teach our children these, these basic things right from the start. They're, they're to say thank you, to say sorry, to say please. And it, it really is just that simple. It's, it's important to cultivate this attitude of gratitude. Or it's, there's so much to thank God for. And then sorry. I came across this prayer for someone, from someone. And they said, so far, God, I've done all, all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. And I'm really glad about that. But in a few minutes, I'm going to be getting out of bed. And from there on, I'm going to need a lot more help. <laughs> and then there's always plenty to confess. And why do we need to confess our sins? Well, because Jesus died on the cross for us. He took all our sin. We're totally forgiven. That's what we're looking at, or that's what we were looking at a couple of weeks ago. So why did Jesus say, well, pr pray, forgive us our sins? 
Well, Jesus used a visual aid to explain this. The night before he was crucified, he had dinner with his disciples, and at the end of dinner, he got down with a towel and he started washing their feet. And when he came to Peter and was about to wash Peter's feet, Peter jumps up and says, no, 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 please don't wash my feet. Jesus replies and says, unless I wash your feet, I have no part of you. Peter says, well, in that case, wash my whole body. Jesus says, I don't need to wash your whole body. Someone who's had a bath is already clean. You only need to have your feet washed. And what this is illustrating is like when you've prayed to Jesus, asking him to enter your life, to come into your life, and you've received this total forgiveness. That's the bath. That's the complete cleansing. But as we go along our journey and we walk the, the, walk the road, we pick up dirt on our feet. And that's where this daily prayer of just asking for forgiveness, as we're picking up the dirt, as we're walking along. And then please, Jesus said, pray, ask for your daily bread. In other words, ask for anything you need. Anything that matters to you matters to God. Pray for others, yes, but also pray for yourself. There's nothing that you're concerned about which God does not want to hear about. So lastly, when should we pray? Well, you can pray anywhere, anytime. You don't have to go into church to pray. You can pray on the train, on the bus, pray walking, pray in any situation. I know some people, when they can't sleep in the middle of the night, that's time that they'll just use to begin praying for either themselves and asking God, why can't they sleep? Or perhaps God's even put someone on their heart or a situation to pray for. So you can pray anywhere, anytime. And, and Jesus talks about praying on your own. He talks about going into your room and shutting the door. And what that just means, is it's saying, find somewhere where you can be yourself and be by yourself. I actually tried getting up early at 6 a.m. to start having alone time once we started having kids. And then Landon decided, hey, that's a good time to wake up too. I'm like, I can't keep making this earlier. So I think that's where I found the safety in my car. That's my alone time. But I know other times it's been at the coffee shop. And I go and I get a hot cup of coffee and I, I find a comfortable place to sit and I just pray to God. Now that one I do pray silently in my head so I don't look crazy, but... But then there's also praying with others, the community, the family. And most people find this to be so hard. There's something so scary about it, but there's something beautiful as we learn to pray together. It's this wonderful thing to do because Jesus says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. There's a power in praying together. So I just have three tips to end with as we, as we lean into just re-engaging with prayer. First of all, keep it real. Just be honest, be vulnerable with God. Say what's on your heart. He's big enough to take it. He's big enough to hear it. He already knows. He doesn't want to just hear what you think ought to be in you. He wants to hear what's really in you. And then keep it simple. I know Nikki, in his videos, he likes to point out that the, prayer, the Lord's Prayer is 57 words long. But the European Union report on the regulation of the sale of cabbage is 26,901 words Millions of people pray the Lord's Prayer every day. Who's read the report on cabbage? And then keep it going. Prayer is two-way. 
The main way that God speaks to us is through Scripture, is through the Bible, and that's what we're looking at next week. But he also speaks to us as we pray. And as I admitted at the beginning, I'm not an expert. I don't think my prayers are great prayers. But what I found is that over the years, I've seen people healed. I've seen marriages restored, relationships restored. I've seen people set free from addictions. Prayer has had a profound effect on my life. It's had a profound effect on our marriage. It's had a profound effect on our family. Prayer really is the most important activity of our lives, and it works. So I invite you to pray with me now, and I encourage you to talk about it at your tables and give it a shot this week. Because what do we have to lose? So let's pray. Lord, thank you that you are our Heavenly Father, that you love us, and that you want us to get to know you better as we pray. God, help us to pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So just as we're about to dig into discussions, I also have one other thing that I want to try tonight. And I'm going to invite you to write down your name and a prayer request on the connection cards on your table. We're going to be taking up the offering uh, following our discussion time. And if you fill that out, you can choose to be anonymous if you want. But put a prayer request down, and I'm going to put that in my prayer log. And I'm going to commit to praying with you and journeying with you. And you can mark whether or not you want this shared or not. I'll keep it confidential. But just know that I'll be praying alongside you. And then let's keep track, and let's celebrate these answered prayers in the days, weeks, and months ahead. But let's also discuss these questions. What did you think or feel about the talk? Have you ever tried praying? How did it go? What do you think about the idea of God answering prayer? Have you ever prayed and a coincidence happened? And in the talk, various reasons for praying are given. Which of these do you relate to and why?